This message is brought to you by Cedar Springs Church. For more information, please visit cedarspringschurchnm.org. <laughs> At least I'm not the only one. Good morning. It's lovely to see all of y'all here. I know with this uh, Labor Day weekend, it's easy to go off and do other things. But I'm happy you're here. And it's by God's providence that each and every one of you are here. And I thank you for that. And we thank God for that. So, let's start off in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you now. We've worshipped you and praised you, O Lord God, for all that you have done for us. We've confessed to you our sins, and we, we know that you have forgiven us, and that opens our minds to hear your word now, Lord, that we can hear it, that we can soak in it, that we can grow in it, that we can go and grow in you, Lord, grow in Christ. Father, we, we ask you to uh, open our eyes and ears to your word, mine as well as I as I give it, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, bring us all a sight of Christ in your word. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Psalm 6 this morning. So if you'd head over to your, in your Bibles to that, you'll find it somewhere about the middle and to the left, unless you have a study Bible and then it's, probably in the middle and way to your left. Um, and while you're turning there, I just want to relate a, a few things. Many years ago, a very well-to-do man hit on hard times. There was a tragic accident. He lost all of his family. All of his children died in that accident. And then around the same time, his wealth was sucked away by thieves. His wife became very bitter towards him, and his own health declined. We hear stories like that all the time, don't we? I mean, that was from Job. But we hear stories like that all the time now, and it's just getting worse. Especially now, here in the United States, here in America, and all over the world, people are you know, having these issues with COVID, the COVID flu. Some people die from it. Some people get really sick. Some people who get really sick and don't die, they end up with these problems that they have for, you know, long periods of time. You know, and, and on top of that, you have their families who have to deal with these people and, and watch them suffer, right? Now, out in the West Coast, there are fires burning up and down the, the West Coast, and people are being displaced. They're watching their, their homes burn, their possessions go away, their jobs go away because of it. And then you have people in the South. You know, they've de dealt with flooding the past few weeks. And then this last week, 
Hurricane Ida came up through there, wiped out a few towns. Death and destruction. People suffering. I can't even imagine those people in Afghanistan that got left. Often in times like these, we can feel, we can feel that God has abandoned us, can't we? So let's read through our psalm. Psalm 6. To the choir master with stringed instruments, according to the shimony, a psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Because we get into the, before we get into the depth of this psalm, We'll just look at a few things about the heading. Once again, we see that it's to the choir master with stringed instruments. I just don't want to get lost in these things because there'll be a distraction if we don't go ahead and just get them out of the way, right? The shimony is, is really thought to be about an eight-stringed instrument. And this psalm was sung publicly for the worship in the temple. And because it was, it's applicable to all of Israel. We already know that when it says it's a psalm of David, that it's written by David or somebody and his friends or, or somebody about, wrote it about David. There's no reason to think that David didn't write this, though. And although David went through many difficult times, I'd, I'd venture to say this psalm pointed back to the coup attempt by Absalom, his son. The psalm is considered to be the first penitent psalm of the Psalter. As you've heard it now, we just read it, as you've heard it, it's definitely the most emotional psalm that we've read in our study of the Psalms. I divided our psalm into two parts. I've called them affliction, for obvious reasons, and assurance. I think as we go through, you'll, it'll become pretty obvious that the first three stanzas are affliction. And then we'll see that the last stanza is assurance. So let's look at this first stanza. The first verse of the prayer to God starts off showing 
and talking about David's guilt. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. You know, the first time I read this, and every time I read it, it does the same thing to me. It reminds me of when I would catch my kids doing something wrong. Catch them proverbially with their uh, hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. And the first thing they would say is, they would look at me, and it didn't matter the smallest thing. The first thing they would say is, don't spank me, Daddy. It's not very often when we don't know that we've done something wrong, is it? I think I could go out on a limb and say it's pretty rare when we don't know we've done something wrong against one another or against our holy God. And when that's the case, we expect it to some degree to be punished, don't we? That's, when, that's why when you're driving down the road and a police officer pulls up behind you, the first thing, well, maybe it's just me, the first thing I do is look at my speed. But then again, I, I obviously have a guilty conscience. So now, with what David is going through here, we, don't, we know that he's got a guilty conscience, but we aren't privy to the specifics of what's gone on with him. It could be maybe with Bathsheba, it could be those sins there, or it could be you know, the, the murdering of Uriah the Hittite. There's so many things that he did, and we just don't know. So he goes on to say, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Here David is asking for grace for what he's done. Because as he says, he's languishing. He's weak and he's feeble and he wants to be healed. He wants his strength brought back to him. And this Hebrew word here for, for troubled, that word, that word means anxious and afraid. We start to see a better picture of him here, don't we? We start to see that he's guilty of doing something wrong against God, and because of that, he's anxious and afraid he's going to be punished. He's going to hit and be pummeled by God's wrath. And then how long will he have to suffer waiting for this wrath? David wanted to get his punishment done over and quickly, just as we do now. Who wants to have to endure a long and tedious and enduring punishment? But we know it doesn't always work that way, does it? And with that question, we can see that David is feeling abandoned by God. As we read on into the next stanza, this becomes even more obvious. Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? David feels that the Lord has turned his back on him. Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. We see here in verse 4 that David bases his appeal on the Lord's faithfulness by his hesed faithfulness. 
his love, his steadfast love that he has for each and every one of us. And in looking at verse 5, that Hesed love, that Hesed faithfulness, it's memorable. It's been so memorable to him. Then his appeal changes direction, doesn't it? Actually, it doesn't really change direction as much as go deeper in the same direction. In Sheol, who will give you praise? So he saved me from the grave because dead people don't praise you, God. Only the living do. Save me for no other reason that I can praise you, Lord. We can hear in his words the desperation of how he feels abandoned by God. He feels God has turned his back on him and he desperately wants to be returned to favor. What a hopeless feeling. Have you felt this hopeless? If you were in Afghanistan trying to get to the airport and you heard that the last plane left, how would you feel? How about if you evacuated your home because a hurricane was coming and when you returned, all your home and your possessions are gone? Or maybe something closer to home. What if a fire ravaged the East Mountains and you came home and found that your property's there, but it's barren, waste. And in some cases, it looks a little different, doesn't it? A loved one, a parent, a child, a close friend, your spouse falls ill to cancer or disease. You want to help, but you can't. You feel like your hands are tied, and all you can do is watch them suffer and die in pain and agony. Can you see where someone might feel that God has abandoned them? Can you see that? And David goes on. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. David is obviously wrought with his sadness and grief. A sadness and grief that seems to go on and on for a long period. When we're in that sadness and grief, it feels forever, doesn't it? And he grows weaker due to his foes taking advantage of the situation. Have you had something happen to you in your life that brought this kind of grief to you? A grief that makes you feel that you have just cried so much that there's nothing left to cry. That's a deep, painful grief. Have you felt an agony that over time just wears you out? How about grief because you feel you've done something against God? I don't know if it's so much the weeping I, God, expects as the broken heart. This says a lot about how David 
felt about his relationship with God, doesn't it? I wonder, do we feel the same way about our sin? When we sin against God, do we feel grief? Or is it just water off a duck's back? Do we feel heartbroken when we sin? Our seriousness towards sin says a lot about our own relationship with, with our Lord and Savior, doesn't it? Something we'll ponder here in just a bit. Sometimes, like David, we feel abandoned by God because of something we've done. I really want you to see the spiral in, in David's words here. First, he's anxious and afraid that the Lord will punish him in anger and wrath. So much so that he's troubled down to his bones. Then he asks for grace and a quick end to this weariness, this worry that he has. He feels grief-stricken that death is upon him and seeks to be saved by the might and praise of God. And finally, his grief is so much that he can't stop weeping to the point of swollen eyes. This is what abandonment to true love feels like. On our last stanza, and we'll move on to our last stanza now and the second part of our psalm. I called this assurance. It's a dramatic shift in attitude and outlook from our last three stanzas, isn't it? Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. His prayers have been heard and now his enemies will be in the same place he was. He is now lifted back up and his enemies will be put to shame. They are turned away by David to be put to shame as he was. David was beginning to feel abandoned by God, but as you see here, he has assurance that his prayers have been answered. He doesn't say here, it, but it's obvious, it's obvious that he is rejoicing in answered prayers. Our psalmist expresses three times the confidence he has that his prayers have been heard. David has repeated this three times. The Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. So God can hear my emotions. The Lord has heard my plea. He can hear my voice. The Lord accepts my prayer. That's pretty explanatory, isn't it? He hears us. He sees us. He's always with us. Where do we see Christ in this psalm? In verse 3 of our, our psalm, David says, His soul is greatly troubled. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, just, just hours before praying for, just hours before he was arrested, he was praying for the cup to pass from him. Jesus uses a similar phrase, doesn't he? Matthew records, in verse, chapter 6, verses 37 to 38. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. 
Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. As David cried to God for help from deserved punishment, Jesus, David's greater son, cried out for help from undeserved punishment. And in verse 5, David cried out to be saved from death and was. Christ was saved from his death, wasn't he, in the resurrection? Jesus, who died on the cross for the payment of our sins and was three days in the grave, was resurrected never to die again. And he stands before the Father for ours. And finally, in verse 9, we see that David announces, The Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. And we know that each and every time Jesus prayed to God, he was heard. When we feel, or when you feel, or when I feel, when we all feel in anguish and suffering, feeling abandoned, call on God and know that He is listening. He hears your emotions. He hears your voice. And He accepts your prayers. We know that our prayers aren't always answered the way we want them to be answered sometimes, don't we? And Paul gives us advice in this. In Romans 5, 3 to 5, Paul says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is always with us. No small part of spiritual wisdom consists of knowing how to behave under severe and complicated trials. Some people melt away. They melt away under them and they lose all heart and courage. Others harden their hearts and act as if God was not chastising them. Suffering has quite another aspect to the members of God's church, though, doesn't it? For sometimes we may feel abandoned by God, but rest assured, God hears every, each and every prayer of ours. Father in heaven, we come to you now. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for how Christ died upon the cross for us. We thank you that you heard each and every time from him, Lord. And now he stands to hear from us. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.